I, I want to put yeah. some emphasis on that. Yeah. To where the audience catches that. <laughs> to be a better listener, you have to stop talking. You have to. And, and, and that seems really simple. And elementary, but, but, but it's fact. But I want to say it again. To be more effective as a listener, stop talking. It, it, and it's, it's hard for people to do that. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook, the podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top, building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, Jeremy Spann. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. For more information on this show, go to myexperiencedrealtor.com. That's experience with an ED. Click on podcast. You could scroll down to this episode and other episodes, but more importantly, we are here today to talk again with the great Don Williams. Welcome back to the show again, sir. I am humbly grateful to be back again, Jeremy Spann. Well, Thank you for having me. Well, kind of funny using that word grateful because I think we're going to talk about that word a little bit in a book on that word, right? We we are. And, you know, in the last five or six years, I've been referred to as Mr. Grateful by more than a handful of people. And that's not a bad thing. I've, I've been called much worse in my life. And so I'm thrilled that people put me together with the word gratitude. Well, we don't have to spend this episode going on into your journey. How you guys were your exes we did that on the last episode. But you know, I got to start this off with a joke, right? Just to annoy my father-in-law. You ready for this one? Yep. Okay. What did the buffalo say to his kid when he left for college? Mm, go Buffs. Bye, son. Oh, bye, son. <laughs> wow, wow. Yeah. I, you know, at some point, maybe I just need to stop doing dumb dad jokes. Is, is your father-in-law annoyed? If he is, well, he's, he's an engineer by nature and trade. So if he is, he has not expressed it. Okay, well, it, well if so, he's not, he ought to be. Oh, no, 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 no. With the amount of crap that is spilled out in these jokes, at least they've been clean. You know, I will say that. Yeah. You know, and and I, and I am grateful for that. This, this grateful. So for the audience, my good friend Don here has put out several books. Yeah. Recently had another release. And because this one only took a couple of weeks to get done, right? Plus a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So my my fourth book titled Gratitude Stories from Our Hearts, and we released on Amazon December 23rd. So two days before Christmas, probably against conventional wisdom as far as a release date. But I had people knocking on my door saying we need the books for Christmas. And so uh, we accelerated and, and got got it launched then, even though maybe not the best day to launch a book. We made uh, number one new release Christmas Day, and and so very grateful that there was enough pent up demand out there to drive book sales and get us some early early awards. And, and I say our get us some early awards because I have 24 co-authors that partnered in the book with me and writing books can be a challenge. And even for experienced authors, uh, I will say this, 
writing a book with 24 authors <laughs> is guaranteed to be a challenge or two. Uh, it's a little bit like um, herding the sheep. And one of the co-authors brought me a bottle of Irish whiskey as a thank you. And uh, the brand was Rider's Tears. And, <laughs> and, and I thought, oh, how appropriate. <laughs> and so... All good fun. I, I will do. Uh, I will do it again with another twenty or thirty co-authors. I enjoyed it, uh, but I learned a lot. We'll do some things a little differently than you know we did on this last book. Like, give me an example of like what would you do different? So we would condense. We, we would have very specific time boundaries that we would not be flexible. Mm -hmm. on and and we would recruit more authors than we needed anticipating that there would be some uh fallout life happens people get busy you know I, we understand i understand but but a little tighter boundaries and, and and that would help us get to the finish line a lot faster my my first book took me about a year it's very short 60 some pages uh it was a brutal it was like my brain had a baby you know, at the end, it was messy, and I said some unkind things, and it was very emotional, and I wanted a painkiller, but but they wouldn't give me one. And so, but after that first book, like like many things, things get easier. And so, the second book I literally wrote in about ninety days. Wow! And the third book about ninety days. And so I thought, gosh, coming into book number four, I'm going to dance through this. We'll do it in less than ninety days, and took about two years. I currently have books five and six in process. And so I'm not sure if that's wise to actually be working on two books at the same time, but both, both thoughts are pounding on my brain saying, please let me out. And so, uh, so we're working on both at the, at the same time. If I can, let me share what put me onto this the path for this book. Absolutely. Please so, do. So six years ago, uh, maybe five, I think six years ago, I'm in Bangkok, Thailand at an entrepreneur organization conference where I'm attending and I'm also speaking and facilitating. And I sit in on a session led by this really smart lady, uh, trained engineer, but recovering engineer. She doesn't do engineering now um, from Whistler, Canada, Gina Molokone Long. And she shares a talk about human performance and the importance of emotion in human performance and that humans perform at their very highest level when they express or experience gratitude and at their very lowest level when they express or experience shame or fear. And, and she gives some really good clinical backup for that. And I literally came home after that trip Went to Home Depot, bought a small galvanized pail, okay, $3.50 pail, and and I took a, a thank you card, and I wrote the word gratitude on it, and I dropped it in the pail. And I took another, and I wrote patience, and another, and I wrote love. And these were three things that I wanted to improve in my own life. And so, for most of my life, I've been really fortunate. I wouldn't say I was Midas, and that everything I touched turned to gold, but Everything I touched turned to something good, and and I really didn't experience any significant loss in my life until I was forty, uh, which I was not well prepared because I had not, you know, done that before. So 
uh, even though things had gone well for me most of my life, I wasn't ever particularly grateful. I was the type of person who was like, oh yeah, good, we did that, but what about this over here? And so literally would not even take a second to, you know, celebrate the win, okay, which I think is very, very important before I focused on something else that needed to be done and face it. Our thing to do list will never get done. There's always some things, not just something, but some things left to be done. So I wanted to be more grateful, got the pail, put the cards in. I literally am carrying the pail with me when I go to the truck, when I go to the car, when I go into the office, when I watch television on my credenza behind my desk, it's going everywhere with me for like six months. I don't sleep with it. It doesn't go with me to the bathroom. But, <laughs> but other than that, it's with me all the time. And what I noticed is the more that I thought about gratitude, the more that I intentionally thought about gratitude, the more grateful I became. And the more grateful I became, I go from, you know, we live in Dallas-Fort Worth. Traffic is horrible here. About LA is probably the only worst place on the planet. And we're a close second anymore. And so when something would happen on the road, you know, my previous um, reaction would be like, can I put them into the rail? You know, I think I can. Okay. And the more I practice gratitude, my reaction would be something more like, I'm grateful. You know, he's having a bad day. He's in a hurry. I don't know what the deal is, but we didn't crash. We didn't die. I'm grateful. It's all good. And so the more I practiced gratitude, the more grateful I became and the more I began to see changes in really every area of my life. So after about eight or nine months, I decided, you know, I own several companies and I decided that I had mastered this art of gratitude, might've been a little optimistic, and that I was going to share this with my leadership team. And so my leadership team's nine people. And every Monday morning, we would practice, we would do this gratitude practice called One Good Thing. And in One Good Thing, we'd ask you to stand up and share something from your family or personal, not your work life. We know about your work life, we work with you. Okay, but something from your family or personal life that happened last week that you're grateful for. And the first time I introduced it to the team, they all looked at me like I'd lost my mind. You know, what are we doing? This is a little kumbaya, a little touchy-feely. But, but they began to um, warm up to it. And they never shared anything major. It was always, I had a flat tire the other day, and somebody stopped and helped me with my flat tire. My 11-year-old daughter plays soccer. She's four weeks into the season. She never introduced me to any of her friends. But, but Saturday, she introduced me to her friends. And things that were not big maybe to other people, but are big to, to the individual. And, and that's kind of how our lives are. It's the little things that make the big difference. And so we'd been doing this, I don't know how long, several months. And a lady who had worked with me, she doesn't work with me anymore, but she worked with me about 16 or 17 years. She'd been gone. And we knew that her daughter had been pregnant, was pregnant. We did not know that early on in the pregnancy, her OBGYN had told the parents, there's a congenital defect. The baby will probably not survive to term. If the baby does just survived a term, the baby will probably be stillborn. 
And if the baby's not stillborn, the baby's going to perish almost immediately. And nothing can be done. She had not shared that with us. So we didn't know. So she'd been out a week. And that Monday, when it became her time to share her one good thing, she stood up and said, my grandson was born last week. And he lived an hour. And I'm grateful because his mother, his father, I and my husband and the other grandparents got to meet him and hold him and tell him that we loved him. Mm. I began one good thing as a gratitude exercise to share gratitude with my team because I've got it all figured out now. And so now I'm going to share it with you. And as is so often the case, the teacher learns more than the student and you know, she showed me a level of gratitude I, I had not seen. So since that time, there are hundreds, maybe even thousands of companies that start a daily, weekly, or monthly meeting with one good thing, a gratitude exercise. And I'm kind of known for starting all of my meetings with one good thing because there is no doubt that humans perform at their highest level when they express or experience gratitude. And like, like working out in the gym, the more you work the muscle, the stronger it gets. The more you work that gratitude muscle, the stronger your gratitude gets. And the more able you are to deal with the negative things in life, you know, that happen. So that was kind of the genesis of the book was my trip to Bangkok. And I'm going to start practicing gratitude and start sharing that with other people. So the book is kind of like my big share on gratitude. And, and I go into detail about that story in the front of the book. I know you've read the book and thank you so much for your very generous review. If you support authors on Amazon, I want to encourage you to support them with reviews. It's very important for the success of the book, um, for there to be reviews from other people, from strangers. And so if you love an author, if you love their work, take a minute take two minutes and give them a five-star review on Amazon. They'll be eternally grateful. So, so I began sharing with my friends that I have this vision. I want to influence a million people around the planet to begin a daily intentional gratitude practice. And, and then I'm going to put together a book and the book is going to be kind of an example followed by a journal, an example followed by a journal because we know that humans, we, we establish habits in 21 days. And so something that you do with intention, with purpose, every day for 21 days will become a habit. If you want to change your eating habits, if you can do it for 21 days, you can do it forever. If you want to stop smoking, if you can do it for 21 days, you can do it forever. If you want to be a daily gratitude practitioner, if you can do it for 21 days, you can do it forever. And we're largely products of those decisions and intentions we make that we do every day, you know, greatly affect the outcomes of our lives. So I put 25 stories in the book. There's 24 co-authors. I have one that was an overachiever, wanted to submit two, two stories. Is that Rustin's? Warren Rustin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good friend, super business guy, super, but more importantly than that, super guy, super yeah. person, super human. Okay. And, and everyone in the book 
fits that mold. If you look in the dictionary under superhuman, you'll see each of their pictures. They're all there. And but sharing real stories of gratitude and typically, you know, not every story, but some of some maybe most of the stories when the chips were really, really down, okay, and found a way to be grateful or or grateful for the positive outcome that happened out of that. So similar to my coworker's story, you know, horrible. I mean, tragic. Nothing you can say about that to make that good. Okay. Mm-hmm. But found a way to be grateful for something they didn't think they would have because they didn't think they would have the opportunity to even meet the baby still alive. And so there's 24 authors, 25 stories. After each story is a page and the suggestion and some tips on how to journal your gratitude. And it's important. I'm, my handwriting, if you've ever seen my handwriting, uh, you know, I, I, somebody one time said, you know, that's hieroglyphics. And, and it kind of <laughs> is, you know, at this point in my life, um, I've been an entrepreneur for 36 years. I have signed, I don't know how many zillions of checks, a zillion checks. And so it's funny to look back over the years, how my signature started out so pretty, so legible and and now it's an X <laughs> almost, you know, you can kind of make out the D, you know? So at first, at first you could see Don Williams and then it was Don like W something. And, and now it's like D something. Right. Um, but, uh, but we know that habits start 21 days of constant activity. We did 25 stories, just figuring some people might need a little extra oomph. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and the big bonus so far that we've seen out of the book is this, uh, our business people, entrepreneurs who are buying multiple copies for their, either their staff or their leadership team, because, you know, we met through entrepreneurs organization and people join EO to grow their business. But many times what they find is the best way to grow their business is to grow themselves grow as a person. Okay. And so, uh, I would tell you, go back, go back to what Gina said, you know, people perform at the very highest level when they express or experience gratitude. If you can help your team turn into a gratitude team, they're going to perform better and more importantly, enjoy their lives more. And so, I didn't really see that coming, uh, that we would have people that would buy 10, 50, 10, 20, 50 copies and disperse it amongst their team and, and treat it as, you know, a learning opportunity. But we're very grateful for that. And, and you know, I am an entrepreneur. Many things that I do are profit-minded, and I think businesses should be profit. Profit is not a bad word. Profit is a good word. Okay. Can't continue to employ people. Can't deliver value if we don't actually make money. But the gratitude book is not a for-profit project. It's a passion project. And so early on, I committed that we would deliver every penny above publishing costs, okay, to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. And, you know, if we help one child, I'll be thrilled. I'd like to help more. Okay. And so I'll encourage you to buy the book, buy a lot of books. 
and uh, we'll send the money to St. Jude's and uh, just buy them from Amazon. That's the cheapest way to get them rather than buying them from us. And it gives us an easy way to track everything that's going to happen. So books five and six are in the works, but book four, Gratitude Stories from Our Hearts, 24 Dear Friends, contributed real stories from their lives, very candid, very authentic, in the hopes of influencing a million people around the world to begin the daily practice of intentional gratitude. I've been very fortunate with getting to know you. Matter of fact, we just had our retreat, our EO Forum retreat down in Key West, which, by the way, not one bad service during our whole time down there. Like I was very grateful for like every time we had like great dinner service, the next one was even better. And then the last one where the guy was a total trip and his name was trip. Trip was a trip. Trip was a trip was just like amazing. And then it was funny is that we were talking, I said, I said, yeah, I've been in this forum for almost two years now. Right. And the interesting thing is, is, what I learned from you on gratitude is it was very easy for me to, because I've had all, I've tried all these different journals and whatnot. And a lot of them will say, well, you know, write, start each day, something you're grateful for. But what I learned from you is it's easy for what you're grateful for. But what I learned from you over the last two years is, okay, well, that's fine. But why are you grateful? For that, because we can all name, hey, I, you know, I, my feet hit the floor this morning. I'm walking on two legs. Okay, that's what you're grateful for. But why are you? And then now, when I look at something like that, it's because, hey, I got a lot of, I got a lot of my vets that would trade anything in the world just to walk one day. Yeah. Just you know, they got no legs. They can get prosthetics, just to feel again what it would be like to walk on your own two legs. So learning that from you over the last two years is really hones in, right? Because there's many a times, depending on where we're at in life or where we're at in business, it just seems like you're having more bad days than good days, right? And and so this last December, when we were having our forum and in our Christmas party, Don Lamont handed out those oak journals right? That are 90 days. And I made a dedication. I said, man, this is, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to try this for 90 days. Cause that's what journal's good for is 90 days. Right. And then you get another 90 days, so forth. And I was like, I'm really going to, really going to lean into this. Right. And so part of the Oak journal is having your morning routine of your 10, 10, 10, 10 minutes of breathing and calm meditation 10 minutes of reading and 10 minutes of, you know, filling out the journal and journaling. And each day it asks you a question and, and you answer the question, which has done significant for me because on the days that I break my routine, it just seems like a dumpster fire when something happens. Right. But on the days I have not broken my routine, when something happens, I'm less of a dumpster fire of sitting there going, all right, what do I do? How do I handle this challenge? And blah, 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 blah. And you and I had spoken on the retreat at quite a few challenges going on. Right. And I was like, just the multitude of things I was balancing. 
but sticking to that just makes the difference. And so, but leaning in, what I really liked about this journal is it would ask a, a question actually, because I knew you were coming today. Like, you know, I, I brought it and I dig in my bag here to get it. So just because it's an example of like a question, you know, the book would ask, right, was, you know, what challenges have you overcome and how have they made you stronger, right? And it's like, well, right, and I won't go in and share what I wrote, but it, it was simple questions like that because then you have to lean in and just go, wow, you know, this was a challenge and this has made me stronger and I'm grateful for being stronger, but that journaling forced you to kind of lean in, kind of like your book, right? is, hey, tell the story behind why, so that way you can understand it, And which was interesting because I literally got this journal two weeks before your book was released. And then as soon as you did release it, I downloaded it on uh, uh, my iPad, you know, first off. And then that's how I made the connection between these two. I was like, oh, wow. And your book on gratitude help me lean into this oat journal even more. And it, what's been really amazing is even though I've been on this planet almost half a century and thought I knew myself pretty well, it has unlocked things in me that I guess subconsciously I've done for a long time that I, it, I was able to reflect back and go, oh, wow, my first experience of this, I can remember, and it was just invoking memories that I hadn't thought about in 30 years or more. And then it really helped open up to like, hey, I'm really grateful, right? And uh, and so is uh, James Peterson's listening to this episode. It, is, it was kind of funny, is the other day had an event and it was one of those where he and I were laughing. It was like, man, it was like almost like one of your life flashing before your eyes kind of event. And he said, man, I'm, I was trying to think of like, hey, if X happens, how am I going to get out? And he said, what about you? And I says, oh, no, I was like, well, today's the day. <laughs> That's always, I was like, that was the first thing within my head. It was like, oh, today's the day. And he started laughing. He just, he just goes, you know, as someone as highly trained as you are, to respond and react to things. Why? And I said, man, you know, we don't get to decide when our ticket's going to get punched, yeah. right? And when it does, I don't want that last few seconds to be, oh, I wished I should have, would have, could have. Instead, I want it to be just like in that moment, like, well, today's the day, right? You know, if I go today, I mean, like, yeah, of course, there's a lot of things left in life we want to go do and everything else. But I was able, you know, it was kind of reflecting after he and I had gone and got a beer. And, uh, and I, was, I was just sitting there thinking, I was like, man, I've really got to do some pretty amazing things, meet some pretty amazing people. And I've had some pretty epic successes, but also some pretty epic failures that without those epic failures that I could not have learned from to give those epic successes is it becomes a matter of perspective, right? And so, and, and that's kind of been my mantra here lately is like, Hey, try to have the other person's perspective. Cause while yes, this is important to you, 
But imagine how more empowered you would be if you understood what was important for that other person, right? And then so while still a work in progress, I have gotten better at trying to listen, right? Mm. Which for me means I got to stop talking, which is not the <laughs> easiest thing on the planet for me to do. I, I want to put yeah. some emphasis on that yeah. to where the audience catches that. <laughs> to be a better listener, you have to stop talking. Have to. And, and, and that seems really simple. And elementary, but, but, but it's fact. But I want to say it again. To be more effective as a listener, stop talking. It, it, and it's it's hard for people to do that. You know, when you talk about perspective, you know, my second book is a book titled Romancing Your Customer, which has nothing to do with being romantic with your customer. It has to do with treating your customer the way they'd want to be treated if they were romantically involved, not with you, but with your business. And so when you do that, I have to take my eyeglasses off because I see my perspective through my glasses and I have to pick your glasses up and put those on because there's no way for me to give you what you need, what you want, what you desire, what will make you a raving fan if I see things through my eyes. I have to see them through your eyes. And the, and the interesting thing about romancing your customer has been this, and maybe this is book seven, I don't know, but it's all been built on the premise of the customer journey is very parallel to the romantic journey. So person meets person, their heart goes pitter-patter, you know, a business in marketing, they say, hey, I'd like to get to meet these people, their heart goes pitter-patter. They hopefully work them to the sale, they work them to the altar, okay? I do is the same thing as signing the marriage certificate, the relationship changes, right? You're married, a little different relationship on this side of the marriage, uh, of the wedding than on the other side, okay? Guys, pay attention to me, bring some of the romance that was on the front side of the wedding into after the wedding, okay? But in a company, it would be marketing and then sales, and I made the sale, and now we move into customer experience. Just like being married, we know those are different relationships. And what we do know is this, that if I want to influence other people uh, phenomenally, I have to see it from their point of view. And not just see it. You know, it's one, you've, everybody's heard this, you know, walk the walk or talk the talk. Well, less talk, more actions. Less talk, more actions. Because people will turn out what we, what we say, okay? But they, can't, they won't turn out what they see, what they feel. And so whether it's gratitude or just influencing others, if we see it from their perspective, that is the only perspective that actually matters. And it's interesting. It's interesting to be an author. People come up and most of the time say nice things and, you know, tell you of how it changed something in their life. But I have multiple people who read the Romance in Your Customer book or who've heard me speak from the stage on that and said, you know, Don, it works at home too. 
<laughs> and I was like, huh, shocker. Yeah. Yes, it would. And maybe that's the seventh book. <laughs> maybe, maybe I should do a book on have a better relation, have improve your relationship because of following romancing your customer principles. You know, right. reverse it because it's interchangeable. And, it, and it's, it's those principles are true business to prospect, business to customer, owner to staff, manager to staff, and uh, parent's child, child to parent. I tell this story every once in a while. I, you know, I, I travel a lot. American Airlines, they know me by name. I'm fortunate that I get to fly up front most of the time. And if you look back, if you're as old as I am, I can remember when, you know, flying was really this luxury experience. And, um, you know, they actually wanted you to dress a certain way. I mean, there was a dress code, okay? And there's a lot of people that won't be old enough to remember that or know about that, but there actually was. And, but, but today, service can sometimes be a little more generic, a little, little militaristic almost. And, but, but if you want great service, don't practice romancing your customer. Perhaps practice romancing your service provider. And so when I sit down and the flight attendant comes by, even though they have their name badge, you know, on their, on their shirt or blouse, I never look at that. I always look them in the eye and say, what's your name? Well, I'm Mary. Hi, Mary. I'm Dawn. And, and so take a second and see them. I mean, when, if you look at it from their perspective, this is a person that probably does three flights a day when they fly. If they've been doing it 10 years, I would think that an airplane looks like an infinitely long line of people <laughs> that I'm going to see for two or three hours. And most of them are going to have bad behavior. Especially in today's day and age with mandatory mask on the plane. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes bad attitudes. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not knocking people. Right. But you talked a little bit about this. You know, if you list all of the human emotions, mm -hmm. the reality is there's more on the negative side than there is on the positive. Just mathematically, we're more prone to be negative. Now, gratitude will change that for you. Okay. But there are more negative emotions under the umbrella of reality then there are positive emotions. And so that's how humans work. We can't change it. But it's interesting. So even in first class, American Airlines, I love you. Live here in Dallas-Fort Worth. Fly them almost exclusively. But I can be in first class and because I treated the person who's serving me with dignity and respect and a smile and authenticity, I get this world-class white glove, red carpet service amongst my seatmates that didn't engage and are not being engaged back with. And so romance your customer will make for a better world. You can have a better experience with your prospects, with your customers, with your team, with your spouse, with your kids, with your parents, with your friends, with your flight attendant. If you're just nice, and see it from their point of view. What's that old saying? Nice guys finish last. Pure poppycock. Not true. Nice guys finish first. Some non-nice guy made that statement up. Or you could look at it, since you know me, I'm an unorthodox person, is nice guys finish last because they finished. Good point. Right? Good and point. The other, and the other ones didn't. 
And, and you're right. When you make that connection with somebody, right, and you don't know what kind of bad day they've had. They, like I said, they might have just finished all these different flights where people were just being horrible, right? And all you got to do is just look at somebody and smile and say, hey, how are you doing? And, uh, and it was funny, something interesting that you're talking about, like, you know, romancing the customer is I could almost argue that your spouse is your customer, right? Because look, they're, you're there, you got married because you have an exchange in vows, right? You got an exchange and this is what I'm going to provide. This is what you're going to provide. And we're going to do this together. And if you're neglecting that at home, how can you neglect it at home and not let that affect you in being successful at that in business. So true. Right. Hard to be one kind of person at home and another kind of person in the world. Yeah. And so the best partnerships, we all know this, are when I'll say partner B and your partner A. Mm -hmm. So if I focus on what's good for partner B, almost guaranteed we have a, there's a conflict coming. The trains are going to collide. There's going to be a mushroom cloud. Something bad's going to happen because I'm in the me, me, me world instead of in the you, you, you world. When I'm wearing your glasses and seeing things from your perspective, okay, then what you find is even if the your other, your counterpart doesn't see it that way, if you start, they'll come along. And they'll begin, you know, leadership is tough. And you know why it's tough? Because you got to get out front. You got to actually lead. You can't lead in the back. You got to get out front to lead. And that's where it's scary and lonely. And there's nobody else out there. And you're exposed. And you are exposed and you're Mm -hmm. vulnerable. Okay. I, I think back, I think it's, oh, it's Brene Brown, Dr. Brene Brown, University of Houston, brilliant lady. And she tells a story about working with special forces, every branch. And, and I think this one was about seals, but it would apply to every branch special forces. She said, tell me a time when you've seen courage and courage is not the absence of fear, but action in spite of fear. Okay. And everybody has fears. Okay. That's just being human. Okay, but tell me about a time when you've seen courage, and these are some of the bravest people on the planet. Okay, tell me a time when you've seen courage when the person displaying courage was not vulnerable. And the reality is, they said, Hey, never saw one. Right. Because you can't, until you're scared, until you're out of your comfort zone, until you don't know, and and here's kind of the, what tells the tale, until you don't know the outcome. If you know the outcome, you may be be apprehensive, but you're not out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. If you know how it's going to go, you're not really out of your comfort zone. But when you don't know the outcome and you have limited control of the outcome and you go anyway... Okay, that's when you're exhibiting real courage because you're really vulnerable. And for most of us, most of us are not Marine Recon vets. <laughs> okay, for most of us, the most vulnerable we ever are is in interpersonal relationships. And, and we're vulnerable because we're exposing our heart. 
Okay. And, and we like our heart and people broke our heart. If you're very old, you've been there and done that maybe more than once, you know, but everybody's done it at least once. And so it takes real courage to lead because you got to get out front, got to be out there where it's vulnerable. But the interesting thing is this counterintuitively, if you'll step out of your comfort zone, I'll share a little bit on, on, on my take on comfort zone physics, the laws of physics with comfort zones. I like my comfort zone. I like being in my comfort zone. The reason I like it is because, gosh darn it, it's comfortable. It's warm and fuzzy and it's soft and it's like my recliner. I like it. When I get out of my comfort zone, what I find is this. Number one, it takes a little courage. You got to take that step outside of the boundary. Even if it's just an inch out of the boundary, it takes a little courage to do that. But here's the interesting thing. I step out of my comfort zone and automatically and instantly my comfort zone expands. I'm no longer fearful of that step. Okay. And the next time I step out of my comfort zone, guess what? My comfort zone expands. And the next time my comfort zone expands. And so what I challenge my clients, because I have life coach clients and business coach clients is this, let's get out of our comfort zone as quickly as we can every day because growth, personal growth, business growth, family growth, growth is when we're stepping out of our comfort zone and our comfort zone is expanding. And it's literally that simple. It's physics. Step out of your comfort zone, your comfort zone will grow. Step out again, your comfort zone will grow. In a year, you will be amazed at where you are. Oh, yeah. Now, and, uh, you know, bringing up James again, he's had the opportunity to see, to be with me in two meetings in the last two weeks that were pretty uncomfortable meetings. Hmm. Go to the extent of saying outright uncomfortable meetings, not knowing what the outcome was going to be, like walking in and going, all right, I'm, I'm unsure. I have the outcome I'd like to have, but I'm not sure what the outcome is going to be because I don't know what the other people in the room are thinking, but we do agree that we have this situation and it's going to be addressed and it's going to go one of a couple of different directions. And so, and we, uh, so this last weekend he and I are having a beer and he said, man, uh, I'm, I'm amazed at how you could just sit there when it outright appeared the other person was on full on attack. And he goes, and you didn't react. You responded. Different, big difference between reacting and responding. He goes, you kept calm and you let the other person talk. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, man, how are you comfortable doing that? And I said, well, let me help correct you. I was not <laughs> comfortable at all. Actually, on both of those meetings, the 24 hours leading up to them, I was like, oh, I really, really don't want to go do this. I really can think of a million things like getting a root canal would be less uncomfortable than going to do this, but it needs to be done. Let's go. Let's get out in front of it. And then because I was able to mostly keep my mouth shut, still a work in progress, it was 
Amazing that both had very good outcomes on the backside of it. Because one of the things I have to acknowledge is that it's not just my perspective in this room. There's multiple people with multiple perspectives. But my goal of what I wanted is that we come out together, not individually. And and the scary part was is on both of those occasions in the last two weeks, when I was walking in, I was like, I'm not sure we come out together. Not because that's the result I wanted. It's like, I literally did not know what the outcome was going to be. There you go. And that is scary as hell. Like people, it's really funny. It's like my daughter's boyfriend. So in February, uh, we flew my daughter and her boyfriend and a bunch of her friends out to New Orleans and Laura and I flew out to meet him to go celebrate Maggie's 21st birthday. She turned 21 in January, but we went, okay, let's go do one. And, and it was funny. So her boyfriend and I, because the girls were doing girl stuff, and I was like, hey, let's, let's, well, you and I are going to go do our own thing because I, I can only do this shopping thing so long, right? I'd just rather not know whatever they're going to spend. And, you know, and, he, and so anyhow, he, he just goes, man, you're, you're literally not scared of anything. And I told him, I said, man, You'd be surprised. There's a lot of things. I'm actually, if 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 you don't have the ability to be scared of something, you're either not human or you're a narcissist or a sociopath or a psychopath or something like that. Sure, there's plenty of things. I just don't let the fear, which is normally an end result of being scared, rule me. I sit there and go, uh, I have the outcome. This is what I'd like it to be, but... I'm, I'm going to attempt to go at it, hoping I get that outcome, but I don't know because guess what? I'm not in control of the other people in the room. The only thing I'm in control of is myself and how I choose to respond, not react, right? And it's amazing how much of a difference that can make, especially in tough situations and crucial conversations. Uh, which is kind of funny, you know, as we sit there and say, you can say more by saying less or just stop talking. So last Friday, I had, uh, I'm on the TCU's MBA alumni board. And so been on it for years. And they had originally scheduled a pretty lengthy intro section. And all jokes aside, it was like, well, Spain's been on this board and Every time we have a board meeting, there's somebody new because somebody's rolled off and somebody's on. And and it was funny, the person leading the meeting was like, they told me later, you know, like, man, we schedule a lot of time because we figured, you know, when we say be brief, you're anything but brief. And I was literally in under 60 seconds. Well, you might know something about that when I'm doing my updates on her for me is it got to me and I was like, ABC, XYZ. And they were like, That's that's it. And so when we finished going around the entire room, right? And you're talking God, maybe 15, 20 of us in this room on this board meeting. Uh, she was like, well, we're ahead of schedule because we did not expect you to be that brief. <laughs> and, and so it is something that you can say more by saying less because one of the things I've also learned from our forum is yeah, you're not being brief because you think everybody wants to hear all these things. Well, guess what? Most people probably don't. 
And and I remember we were talking one time, and this is oh, it's been in the last year, maybe more. I'm like, well, how do you know when somebody is interested? And it was either you or Don Lamont that said, well, because then they'll approach you afterwards and ask you questions. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, that seemed so elementary that why it's taken me this long to figure that out. And so I have tried to become more brief, but also realizing I'm an external processor, right? So me talking through things is not a lot of times to just talk, to talk, but because that's how I'm processing whatever the scenario is, right? So again, work in progress, but getting better at that and and being able to see that, that you know, through the other lenses of the other person. I mean, like Laura and I, right? I mean, we're not only spouses, we're business partners, and I have learned. By far, she, she's the better half. Oh, man. Like, By far. Like, I'm, I'm like the 10%, she's like the 90%, right? And and when I have stopped romancing her because I've gotten so tight, now she's gotten really good over our length of marriage to go, hey, uh, hey, you need to focus in on me right now, right? Because I can be like a robot. I can be like a machine. I can dive into things and then have to sit there and remember, hey, wait a minute. This is not just my business partner. This is my spouse. And like, yeah, okay, you're right. You know what? I have been neglecting you. Let me stop neglecting, which means I'm going to have to, because this is the thing is we all want to multitask and do multiple things at a time. And uh, I've had to learn, especially over the last couple of years, multitasking, not not really that effective. And then people say, why? Not even possible, actually. They they go, oh, I'm good multitasker. I'm like, no, you're just good at half-assing five things at once, right? And, And so, because in order to do A, that means you have to choose to stop B. And sometimes you know that you should stop doing B so you can focus on A. And and what it finally had hit me, especially over the last couple of years, and especially I would say since the pandemic and especially in the last year, is, well, at the end of the day, what's more important in my life? Is it A or is it B? And when you look at it, you go, well, actually, A, so in this scenario, my wife, Laura, is more important than all B through Z. It became easier to go, you know what? I will pump the brakes on B through Z because A is most important. Doesn't mean I'm perfect at it. Still got to get reminded of it from time to time. But I would say my ability to transition back to A is a lot easier now than it was before. Love that. And that's just using the other person's perspective and kudos for her for being a clear communicator. Okay. Sometimes a person, it would be outside of a person's comfort zone to say, time out, pay some attention to me. Okay. And male or female, that might be an uncomfortable thing to do, but it's very clear communication and clarity is kind. Yeah. Muddled non-clarity is not kind, okay, because I'm trying to see it from your point of view. I can't see it 100% of it from your point of view because I'm not you. So help me, okay, because I am trying to see it from your point of view. And then kudos to you for listening, which means you weren't talking, (laughs) okay? And then, and, and, and here's where 
I think a lot of people get off track. Learn, listen, and act. If you're unwilling to act, you're just stocking up for some great trivial pursuit game in your future. Okay. But it's only through action. Remember, less talk, more action. Action that we're that we get accomplishment. And so And that action can be asking questions. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's like you said, I mean, clarity creates trust, confusion creates fear. And if you don't have clarity, ask questions. Right. So and I think we might have talked about it when we were having some cocktails on our retreat is something that was mentioned to me by some of my folks back here, which was, hey, sometimes you think you have conversations with us. And you've had the conversation in your brain, but you haven't actually vocalized the words. And after I heard that multiple times within like a week from multiple people, I don't know if they got together and conspired to make sure that I got the message on Probably it. Probably not. Right? And and I was like, what? And 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 it's funny that, that what they are all laughing. Like we were actually sitting in a bar having a drink. And they were like, yeah, actually now we can identify through your body language when you're doing it. Mm. Right? They said, we've all talked enough to go... Yeah, you could see that. Like Ricky, who's known me since the second grade, so he's known me my entire life, is like in the middle of it. He'll stop me. And that's what he's telling the other guys. is like, you got to stop me. When he starts doing this, that's when he's he's already chessboarded the thing eight times. He's already working it out. Probably gonna, it's probably going to work whatever he's figured out. Problem is, is he hasn't communicated that to the rest of everybody else in the room. And so Ricky's really good about going, hey, Vocalize what you just ran through your head, right? And then I'll be like, oh, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Thanks for letting me know, <laughs> right? And, and so learning these things about ourselves helps us become more effective. But sometimes it's just asking questions. Just ask questions. You know, if you don't have clarity, don't assume, don't pretend just to get the conversation over, right? Like, uh, like I said, when these... And both of these uncomfortable meetings I've had in the last couple of weeks, it was, I was like, I don't understand right now. I am not comprehending what the issue is here. And I had to start asking yeah, and asking questions. And then it was click. Oh, all right. All right. All right. I can fix that. Right. But I didn't know what to fix because I didn't have clarity. And when I got clarity, if I went and asked enough questions, it got me to that clarity where we were able to pivot that quick and people were happier. Well, you know, I, I love to ask questions. No way to get the other person's perspective better than from their mouth, mm-hmm. from their words. And so you almost can't get in trouble asking questions. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and statements, on the other hand, mm-hmm. much more dangerous. And, um, you know, I think it was Zig. Yeah, it was Zig Ziglar, who he used to run people through this exercise talking about misinterpreting verbal communication. And so uh, it went something like this. I did not say she stole the money. I did not say she stole the money. I did not say she stole the money. I didn't say she stole the money. 
And depending on where your inflection is in that sentence, you get totally different meanings of the same words. And so really important to say, tell me again where I'm sure I understand, you know, what you mean. And for some people, external processors, the second utterance may actually be more clear than the first because certain people do think as they're talking, okay, and it helps them process. And the more that we over-communicate, you know, the less we under-understand and the more we understand, the better we're going to do. I literally think the foundations for all human relationships, the two pillars are communication and expectation. And so people who over communicate and are very clear about their expectations set themselves up for success. And people who under communicate have misunderstandings and, and, and expectations are missed. Okay. Because after all, Humans, we're pretty simple beings. Mm -hmm. Okay. I want something to happen. I stand a lot better chance of that happening if I'll communicate it to you. And so that actually, I'll give credit for that. That was um, Marty Friedman, who's a, a, a longtime sex therapist uh, in his book, Sexual Intelligence, which is very tame, by the way. It's not very racy, but... But after all, sex is just a human relationship and it, like all other human relationships, are better served with communication, expectation. Yeah, I, and I'm willing to be in uncomfortable conversations. I think I've demonstrated that multiple times in almost half a century. When I'm not willing to do that is that that value exchange is not going to be there. Right. And I liked what you said about statements. Right. So when the other person is making statements and they are speaking from a position of ego, entitlement and blame and shame. Right. We all can fall in those things and then go, crap, that's not what I intended to. Let me dial back. I apologize. This is my thing, what I was trying to do. But I have a recent thing I've been dealing with which is selling one of my businesses. And the other person making statements, not asking questions, and everything's an attack, everything's in a threat, everything's a victim villain. By the way, I love that book, that The 15 uh, Traits of Conscious Leadership, third time reading it, underlining. But here's the thing is if the other, I'm willing to enter no matter what uncomfortable conversation there is, as long as there's that value exchange, we're both gonna communicate. We're both going to ask questions. We're both going to try to learn. We're both going to try to have the goal of coming out. Regardless of what the results are, we're both going to try to have that goal. And so this other person just literally got me to a point where I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm out. I, 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 matter of fact, I don't even care how the results of this go because you have demonstrated that you do not care, right? And you've made some statements that you don't care. Like, I don't care, right? And when you say those things, then what you've done is you've made my choice for me. So I'm going to do what's good for me when you have demonstrated you don't care, right? 
And then don't try to guilt me with all these things of I should or saying things of like, that's not your money. And I'm like, no, it's my business. That is my money. I can choose to do whatever I want with my money. And what you're telling me is you're not going to give me my money when that was the business that I own that made that money. And you're going to dictate the rules, right? And so at that point, I was pretty much done. It was like, okay, I know what decisions are going to make. Well, there's a business partner this individual is bringing on. And so at this point, I'm like, hey, I don't care. Shut the doors of this thing. Do we keep the doors open? You buy it. I mean, I'm I'm indifferent. Like for me to get to a point of being indifferent means I don't care what the result is going to be. But there is going to be a result, even if I have to choose it. So another incident, call it a week and a half ago, required me to write a check when I said, I'm not writing checks anymore right? This thing either makes it, closes, you buy it. I don't care. I'm done, right? Because you demonstrated you don't care. Well, the other party involved actually, you know, is hadn't been printed. I don't know who this other party is, right? Never met the person, only been on the phone with him and his business partner. And so this last week, he said, can we jump on a call? And at first I was like, no, I, I look, I already sent you guys the email. I've already asked for these deliverables. I've asked over and over. Now I'm writing checks. Y'all have three options. You can buy the business and the real estate, or you can buy the business. I'm going to list the real estate and sell the real estate. You can deal with whoever else or close the business, and I'll just sell the real estate. I don't care, right? Those are my three options. Y'all made me choose, and you're lucky that there's three options, but when this individual and I had a conversation on the phone, he asked questions, and which made me offer more patience. But at the same time, I said, look, I'll help give you clarity, but you've offered another opportunity. And because of your business partner, that's not going to happen. I have, I said, because I want you to have clarity so you can choose whether or not you want to move forward with this. I am not going to help one bit. That ship has sailed. You don't get to treat me the way this other individual has treated me and expect me to move on. I know what my three options are and I'm indifferent to what the three are now. However, I will be patient because you have indicated that you want to get this business. So what I will offer is the ability to go, okay, I'm willing to get creative, but I am not going to help. I am not going to offer any concessions because there is a history over here that the very thing you're asking me for is the very thing the history with your business partner has violated over and over and over. So I'm going off a track record and what, and I don't know you. I'd like to believe that in you, but here's what I am willing to do. I am willing to do X, Y, Z, and I just want you to have clarity. And that individual said, man, I think I need the weekend to kind of think about this. And I said, you should. You should have 100% clarity on buying this thing. And if there's anything you want to know about it, I'll tell you right now. If you haven't found it yourself, ask me. I will tell you. Because again, I've demonstrated these are my three options. And if option three of closing the doors and selling the real estate, I'm indifferent. I will lose a lot more money by that. And I'm fine. 
you know, and it, he appreciated the clarity that I gave him because at least he's not operating under any false pretenses, yep. you know, and, and that's the thing is sometimes the win can be just that, hey, the person you're partnered up with has spoiled a lot of things, but I'm still willing to do X, Y, Z because you're a better, more effective communicator and you've asked me questions. But also the win here is let me help you understand. Let me help you with expectations towards me. You can expect that I will do this and you can expect that I won't do that. Yeah. And as long as you're good, I'm good and we can move forward. Right. Clarity is kind. Clarity is kind. It is. So I want to touch one more thing uh, uh, because I wrote this note down, and, and I guess I didn't under— I think I have an assumption, so I'm going to ask questions to get clarity on this, is you said that uh, reviews on Amazon matter. Can you explain what that means? Is that because— Hey, you get to sell more books or just mean something to the author or a hybrid of both or? Well, authors certainly love people to say nice things about them. You know, it takes a lot of effort to write a book. 99% of the world will never write a book. And, um, and so it takes a certain amount of effort and they certainly want that. But the reason reviews are important in a digital world Okay. And you know, I coach many business owners. So whether it's an author and an Amazon review, or it's a Google My Business review about my business, or it's a LinkedIn recommendation or endorsement, the, they're important because people, for kind of some inexplicable reason, it doesn't make great sense to me that I would go to, I would consider going to this restaurant for dinner tonight. I would go look at Yelp and see what 6,000 strangers had to say about that restaurant. 6,000 people I don't know anything about. And I, and I would allow their combined input to help me make a decision. Well, it's more important than even that with Amazon and Google. Amazon and Google are the two largest search engines on the planet. People are like, Amazon's not a search engine. I'm like, oh, yeah. You type something in Amazon you're looking for, and in, for example, 0.27 seconds, Amazon returns a million items that could be what you're looking for, and the top 10 are probably exactly what you're looking for. And then on top of that, Amazon says, and this one we recommend, <laughs> okay, as being the best value for you. And then if you're a Prime member, with one click, it's going to show up on your doorstep probably tomorrow, maybe today, maybe the next day, but probably tomorrow. Okay. Google, on the same hand, if you're looking for, you're in the real estate brokerage business, if you're looking for a realtor or a real estate broker, okay, Google is going to return umpteen zillion hits. Okay, like that. And so Google and Amazon both add weight to how often they return your business, okay, or your book, okay, 
in part based on the number and the quality of reviews. So if you were generous enough to give a five-star review on Google, for example, you can log in, click five stars, and leave. Okay, Or you can log in, click five stars, write a sentence or two. You don't have to write a book. It doesn't have to be a paragraph, but a sentence or two. That adds more weight in Google's mind than just the five stars on its on its own. Same thing in Amazon. If you find a, if you read a book and you like the book, okay, don't go give five star reviews to books you don't like, okay. But if you like the book, you can go give a five star review, write a sentence or two, and Amazon will even um, identify verified purchasers, okay. But that um, figures in their algorithm. Mm-hmm. Okay, of how often they present that book when a search for uh, something even similar to that book. They may still present that. Some people do such a poor job in the promotion and the structuring of Amazon and Google that literally when you go search their book title, they don't show up. Somebody else shows up. Mm. Ah, you know, get a pro, mm. get somebody to help you. Yeah. Okay, because that's not really forgivable. Okay, and it's not Amazon's fault, it's your fault. Okay, same thing in Google. You can return other people's businesses and some smart businesses a little um, on the negative side. You know, they build their search terms on your business so that when somebody's searching for you, they're going to show up either right above or right beneath you. And so they're, they're kind of... Um, Borrowing your traffic, so to speak. Uh, nothing illegal about it. Uh, everybody has to kind of make up their own mind whether that's bad form or not. But but that's why reviews are so important, um, is that the public pays attention to what other people have to say about product services and experiences. And the search engines also pay attention to what, um, what kind of activity is there. So... Uh, I was sitting here uh, uh, just, you know, typing in gratitude, right? Just because I hear what you're, you're, you're saying, and it's really interesting is how many things pop up, right? And I didn't put gratitude book or anything, just gratitude. So it is something that can mean the difference between somebody getting to the top of the list or Bottom of the list. No so doubt. If I put back, and if you, uh, yeah, and just gratitude is so broad. Yeah. Um, there's no telling what might show up there. Yeah. No. It, it. 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 I mean, look. There's probably been a million books, you know, written on uh, uh, that. So let's see if we can't get the audience to get yours where it's the first one that pops up. <laughs> so <laughs> gratitude stories from our hearts, hearts. Don Williams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it, it's not easy. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's not easy. And um, so very important. Um, I would I would encourage you, if, if you want to grow your gratitude, and I certainly want to encourage you to grow your gratitude, buy the book. Take the five minutes a day it takes to actually do what the book suggests. Remember, learn and act. Okay. You'll be a different person at the end of the book than you were at the beginning of the book. Okay. 
and you might help a child who's sick at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. You might change their life. And so grow your gratitude, improve your life, help a kid. And so for the audience, the best place to go is Amazon to purchase the book you said? Yeah. You can reach out to me, but it's going to be faster, simpler, quicker, you know, just to go to Amazon. And for the audience, we'll make sure that we'll have that link inside here. So that way, if you drive down the street and can't remember where to go get it, you can always go to myexperiencedrealtor.com, click on podcast, scroll down to Don Williams, the second episode of Don Williams, not the first web episode of Don Williams, and we'll have direct links on how you can go straight to Amazon to get this. And remember, any extra money made out of this thing is going to St. Jude's Hospital. Thank you, Don, for coming on. Appreciate your time as always, my friend. Jeremy, thank you. I'm grateful. Me too. I'm grateful. Good. <laughs> this is good stuff. Thanks, brother. Always, my man. It's been really. You get the feeling we could do this for hours. Uh-